1: At Challenger, we want to help you ensure that your retiree clients can meet their retirement needs today and tomorrow. To access thought leadership, insights, and tips on retirement planning for your clients, head on over to challenger.com.au forward slash xy.
0: back to the XY Advisor podcast. I'm Fraser Jack. And of course, we are still talking about the changing landscape of retirement. Uh, so to go through a whole lot of data and stats on the, on the topic, I've, uh, I'm, I'm joined by Jason Andreessen from Core Data, the head of APAC. Welcome. Thank you, Fraser. Pleasure to be here. Very excited to be talking about such an exciting topic. Uh, I know you love your data analytics and getting into your insights and what what comes from the data. So uh, prepare, to, uh, prepare to, get, to geek out with me on the subject. Yeah, I love, uh, I love talking about retirement as well, believe it or not. Yeah, Yeah, actually, you do a lot of talking about retirement, don't you, with different um, super funds and, and all that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I spend most
1: of my days talking about retirement or talking about financial advice. And um, I think in this instance, I'll be able to talk about both.
0: It uh, feels like I've come to the right place. <laughs> <laughs> let's kick it off. Let's start talking about the changing landscape of retirement. Um, and obviously there's a, there's a stack of moving parts to this conversation, but let's start with uh, maybe the conversation around more than just money and, uh, and what, what, what retirement means for retirees. Yeah, thanks,
1: um, thanks, Fraser. So, this is a conversation um, I've been um, I, I, I kickstarted about twelve months ago um, out of out of frustration that um, certainly my background is financial um, planner and and managing financial planners for a long time saw the transformational impact of advice that was way more than just um, the money, but the conversation around retirement seemed to be all about Adequacy um, a, a, and, um, and money in that, in that, in that context. So, um, at Core the, um, uh, the clever people at Core Data um, embarked on this, um, on, on this research that we call the best possible retirement research. And uh, we did it 12 months ago, and I'm, I'm keen to share um, some of the findings from that. And we're in field at the moment and, um, um, with, with this year's um, study. And I've actually got some really fresh, like straight out of the field work um, insights to share today on that as well.
0: Fantastic. I love the concept of best possible retirement uh, and it not being just about the money. And, but yeah, we see so often, you know, the better position statement being all around the financial aspect.
1: Yeah, it is. Um, the heuristic when it comes to uh, to money is um, fees and returns, right? And, uh, I get that they're easy to compare, but there's so much more to um, advice, and there's so much more to retirement than than those two things. Hasn't fees become the, the topic of this decade? Yeah, it has, and uh, yeah, and uh, the precision that is ex- is expected of uh, advisors with their research just blows my mind. Yeah.
0: Anyway. Yeah, it is. It is. It is pretty crazy. But how do we then? How do we then take this? Um, the idea of there's more to it than just the money. Concept or you know happiness or um, you know li- living a life that you want to live or all those sorts of things and quantify and qualify those things to then be able to put into your advice. Yeah,
1: so that is um, is a great question and um, and we've we've um, we've done it. Um, we have invented what we're calling the best possible retirement index. If you can think of another name, um, let me know a better name. <laughs> the best possible retirement index. Um, to give a more holistic scoreboard of um, of retirement confidence as people approach retirement and um, and retirement satisfaction, and it's anchored in um, behavioural economics. So, so what we did, um, I'm am a great fan. I'm, I'm sure that um, others are, are are aware of the Harvard Men's Study um, that Harvard has been running for seventy five or eighty years. It's it's called the Men's Study because it started out just um, just following the lives of, of men. Um, and a lot of these um, people are still alive, so a good portion of them, 10, 10 or 20%. It was actually a longitudinal study to try to understand the course in life. So I don't have a time machine, so I can't do that. But, but we've tried to do something similar by, by, by replicating a longitudinal study. So we've asked identical questions of two different groups. Um, people who are 45 and older um, who have not yet retired, we called that the retirement expectations, and we, um, and we asked set, almost the same questions of retirees, so people who identified as, um, as retired, and a good portion of them were over 75, and, the, and we called that the retirement outcomes survey. The idea behind that is um, what... Um, can the wisdom of, of, um, of the
0: experienced retirees give
1: to their younger selves, if that makes sense.
0: That does make sense. I always used to love that question, what, you know, what, what tips would you give yourself if you could go back in time? This is essentially the very similar, uh, similar thing, asking what tips yeah, would you give to yeah, those absolutely. people. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: And uh, so we've got lots of insights into what makes um, for, uh, for a satisfying retirement, so much more than just a comfortable retirement, a satisfying retirement. We've taken c- taken this perspective of um, if I feel good about my financial decisions, I'm more likely to take action and engage with my financial decisions, and I'll, I'll do good, and I'll, I'll um, and that will flow into the um, the outcomes. So we um, we took that um, framework and um, did a great big quant study and um, came up with. Um, the best possible retirement index score, which is a score from zero to 100. It's normally um, distributed around a mean of, of about 50. It was a bit more than 50. It was 53. So 53 was the average score, just to be clear on that. And zero is the worst possible situation a retiree can find themselves in. It's, it's hell on earth. And 100 is absolute bliss. Um, and obviously, yeah, most, most people fall between the zero Oh, everyone falls between a zero and a hundred, but, but most people are not at those extremes, and that then gives us a good measure um, of um, the
0: satisfaction people feel in retirement, and um, and what might be driving it. Wow, I'm I'm looking forward to these insights. Tell what is driving it. So um, there's more than money at play. So when we um, when we uh, plot
1: the um, the best possible best possible retirement score against um, household wealth, um, we see that there is a very um, low correlation. There is a correlation. Um, Money does matter, um, but it doesn't matter as much as we would think. And and then when we um, um, plot wealth against the best possible retirement index score um, and look at the different cohorts, we can see that retirees, the richest retirees are the happiest. Um, and most satisfied. So the people with more than more than one million, uh, and particularly if they've got more than three million, they're very satisfied. But the, the next most satisfied gr- group of retirees actually have household wealth um, outside their family home of three hundred and fifty to five hundred and fifty thousand. So so just to be clear, people with three hundred and fifty thousand to five hundred and fifty thousand are happier than every other cohort who is wealthier than them, right up until the million-dollar cohort, and the next happiest group are the poorest group. People with 150,000 or less have significantly higher um, well-being, satisfaction with retirement, confidence in retirement, than people who are wealthier with them. And the group that is the most miserable in retirement uh, have between 550 and 750,000. Of um, of household wealth,
0: Fraser. There is, is so amazing. there is so much in here, isn't there? There is just like, oh, you know, d- does that mean those people are you know the expectations haven't been met in, in a lot of ways? Is it, does it- I think that's right. I think the um the expectations are um um are at play,
1: um, and the uh, and I think that really explains why. The people with less than 150 grand um, are so happy because these people have never been rich. They've never had expectations of the as for retirement standard of whatever it is, 64 grand a year. They've never had that, and the age pension um, paid fortnightly is is satisfying them clearly and giving them confidence that they can afford to live. Um, and it's also important if they own their own heart, but we'll we'll, um, we'll talk about that in a sec.
0: Yeah, yeah. The, you mentioned the age pension there. That's a big part of this, isn't it? Because that then co- co- covers those lives of the in that in that lowest group you talked about.
1: Yeah, and I think um, if you overlay the um, the asset test thresholds, I think there's that at play as well. So there's a relativity, but the, that that three hundred and fifty to five hundred and fifty thousand group, they've kind of got the best of both worlds. Um, particularly if they own their own home, they've got um, they've got some flexibility with the wealth that they have, and um, they've got the social security. the... Um, the age pension coming in, but these people in the wealthier cohorts, particularly those between with between seven hundred and fifty and a million, they don't, and um, and I think that is a major impact on them as well.
0: Yeah, I think um it's it's amazing, isn't it, how much the pension means to retirees. Yeah, it is. Um,
1: I think um not to not to jump to the uh, conclusion too early in this conversation, but I think that's because of the um, the continuity of income. I think that is a major um, major driver of retirement satisfaction, and if you can um, have confidence that you know that the the next uh, paycheck will be arriving in your um, in your account, then uh, then that makes a real difference. Yeah, fantastic. What, what also makes a difference, Fraser, um, is whether or not you feel in control of um, of your t- retirement and control of the things that matter.
0: Um, I'll come back to control in a second. You mentioned yeah. the home uh being a big impact can we talk can we talk through that yeah
1: so we um last year we tested home ownership for um against the um, best possible retirement index and what became very clear is that um when you own your own home you have a much better retirement than um if you if you're renting or if you still have um a mortgage left to pay so this um, rule of thumb that advisors have always had that um, since I've been in financial services for 25 years, um, that um, it's good to reach retirement and extinguish your mortgage absolutely pays, um, pay, pays benefits. So just, just the data on that, this best possible retirement score uh, where from 0 to 100 where, where the average is about 53, if, if um, a retiree is renting, they only have a score of 37 if they live in their home, but they still have a mortgage left to pay, their score is 49.4, so still worse than average. And um, um, if they own their own home outright, it jumps right up to 62.8. So it is, that is, I would say, the um, the clearest driver of retirement satisfaction and happiness in retirement, whether or not you're your own home.
0: Well, it's incredible, isn't it? So it's, it's got a lot to do with, um, you know, being, uh, having control and certainty, I guess, of the two things around that, owning your own home.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Now you went into control. The conversation around control before. Uh, let, let's dig into that. How does that make a big difference? And where where, where are they getting it from? Yeah. So um,
1: the key drivers of um, of retirement success, are whether you own your own home, um, but when you when you um, unpack that, it's about a feeling of control, a feeling of certainty, a feeling of continuity, um, and um, the certainty that you can continue in the communities you're spending time with, um, that you've always, always spent time with. Um, and the, the really sad fact is that, and this is, this is fascinating and um, something that um, I didn't know until we did this study, but most people don't actually retire at a time of their choice. They, 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 their retirement date um, is, um, is forced on them, most people. Last year it was a bit over fifty percent. This year so far it's fifty six percent. So it's even higher, probably with COVID. And people retire um, at the timing not of their choice for three three reasons that are out of their control: their their own health issues force them into retirement, they have to care for a loved one is another major reason because of their health. Um, and and um, and the third is simply they get the sack; they are um, they're forced into unemployment.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a huge number, isn't it? Because uh, we've always sort of said it's it's very hard to work out when you're going to retire and people sort of put an arbitrary date on and that sort of either becomes the date or whatever it might be but but that's, that's, that's a huge number you know nearly nearly six and ten people don't get to have that choice
1: yeah and that point around um, it, it changes what financial um, advice is I think financial planning advice um, financial planning as we all know commonly is you set a goal. You take a status check of where you are and you create an action plan to bridge the gap. But only um, the same data shows that only 7% of people retire at the specific age they intended, Fraser. So what is the role of a financial advisor then? Um, I think think a large portion of um, the value of advice is helping people feel more in control. And, um, And just to get back to this best possible retirement index score, we then plotted... The scores of people living in retirement who did retire for those um, for, for one of those three reasons, out of their control and they don't recover. Obviously, um, the um, health is a major driver of retirement satisfaction. Um, so there's more at play than just um, being out of control with the health issue, but the the score of um, of people who are forced into retirement by health was just forty two, so well well um, well behind the average. But it's not just that. Um, so if I was forced into retirement because of um, unemployment, my score in retirement is still 45.8. So I don't recover. I don't recover emotionally and I don't have this internal locus of control that I can that I can um, control the things that are important. I can't control everything, but there are still levers that I can, I can hold on to. People don't feel like that.
0: Yeah, you just mentioned the um the word lost or, or out of control or loss of control, and that is that and and not being able to recover from that. And emotionally, yeah, I'm you know I'm just trying that on for size, and it does it doesn't feel very nice, does it, to be out of control and not being able to recover?
1: Yeah, and it's, so I think um, financial planners um, have a huge opportunity there to address that because certainly you can't control um, things in your personal life um, and and. Unexpected things happen, but we can help people feel like they've got more financial resilience when bad things happen, and and help people understand that they've got control of their expenditure, um, and that's a major import. That, that that's a major thing, and and when they spend and how much they spend, they can control how they invest, and, um, and and they can even control against their biggest fear, which is running out of money in retirement. Right, they can. There are solutions to that.
0: Yeah, exactly. Now, uh, before we get into the biggest fear conversation, you mentioned also that part of staying in your own home was staying in the same community. And yeah. and obviously, community is a big part of you know what's driving uh, emotions in retirement. Yeah, it is. Um, absolutely. So
1: there are three big drivers: um, certainty around income, so um, continuity of income, um, feeling of control, and uh, and the and the third big C is um, is community. So. Um, very clearly, being able to continue to be involved with um, the people I've always been involved with, um, the ability to be involved with the causes I've always been involved with is so, so important, which, um, which is kind of counterintuitive. Um, but I, I used to be a financial planner living in Tamworth. I've, I've lived in Tamworth twice in my career. And I was, the number of people I saw retiring to the coast as if it was one spot, um, which always amused me, but they were, would retire to the coast and um, five years later they'd come back and they'd, they'd obviously um, done a lot of dough in transaction costs because it turns out that retiring and leaving your community and the people you care most about and your family um, that you've spent, spent years with and starting fresh um, isn't as um, satisfying as people might think. And, uh, and and they return
0: home. Yeah. Yeah. And so when it comes to community, it's all sorts of. Uh, I guess it's starting early, isn't it? That's not something that you start when you retire. You sort of want to have that moving through into retirement. Yeah, that's absolutely right.
1: Yeah. So these people who start a hobby at um, retirement have got it wrong. They should uh, they should be um, getting involved with their community and uh, from a from a young age, from forty, I would say. Yeah,
0: yeah. and uh, and planners should be definitely taking that into consideration when it comes to what their goals are. Yeah. Exactly. Fantastic. Now, you mentioned um, the big problem of running out of money. What, what stats have you got on that? And, and is, that, um, is that something that uh, a lot of people have – like the, that's the big fear, I guess you could say. Um, it's the biggest fear that
1: pre-retirees have. So the people in the run-up to retirement – so that, um, it's worth saying as well that with this best possible retirement um, research, what we found was that pre-retirees score on average worse than retirees – when you're measuring how that how good they feel, how engaged they are with their money, and um and their confidence in their outcomes and um and expectations for the future, pre-retirees are a lot more nervous and have and have less well-being and worry a lot more than retirees. So something strange happens at retirement. It's there's a, it's a time of turmoil, but after a period which um, seems to be between six and six months and a couple of years people settle in and, um, and the people who retire successfully um, know where their money is coming from and um, realise that um, they can control how much they spend and um, recognise 85% of people of retirees, 85% of retirees can recognise the difference between their um, discretionary wants and, um, and their financial needs. And the same number, 85% are willing to cut back when things go off track. And when they realise that they they do have control of these things, they do have some age pension coming in, they've got some money coming in from their investments and they realise they can still go to the pub and um, and shout their mates two years old or VB or, or 4X wherever you live um, and still do the things they've always done with the people that are most important to them, it gives them um, real um, real confidence in that.
0: So there's a big there's a big piece in this uh, transition, isn't there? Because obviously you mentioned the the what I took out to be anxiety of the pre retirees. We haven't been there yet. It's it's unknown. We don't quite know how it's going to work out. There's a, still a, a space that's quite scary, uh, and then that transition zone that you mentioned was six months to two years. Seems to be yeah,
1: um, a, a period of um, of transition,
0: as you just mentioned,
1: settling in. Um, and, uh, but that is an opportunity for further research, I would say, that what's, what's happening in that era of transition.
0: Yep, fantastic. And so the, um, the fear factor then came out of it a little bit when it comes to those that had, had passed that retirement stage and then they now knew what they were doing.
1: Yes, it is, it is clear, statistically significant, that pre-retirees worry about money and running out of money in retirement more than people living in retirement. Yeah, yeah that fear dissipates.
0: Now, people living in retirement still have fears, but they tend to change from money to to health. Health,
1: health really, yeah. Yep. It changes,
0: and uh, and how does health have a big impact on your study?
1: Well, um, retirees worry um, more about health than um, than anything else, and as
0: as we've um, as we've already talked about, health is a major driver of uh, retirement satisfaction. Yep. And uh, talk to me about. Um, Partners and genders and couples and how, how all this works because so this is where we went um, this year.
1: This is the data that um, that is super fresh. We're still in field actually, um, and we'll be in field for another month or so. But we um, we decided to have a look at what the um, how how um, relationships might impact on um, retirement happiness and retirement satisfaction. And what we um, what we have seen is that. Married people are far more financially resilient. Um, they, they worry less about money, significantly less than, uh, less about money. This point of um, how they retire, um, the, the, the nature of their retirement, the differences between living situations, whether you're single, whether you're um, divorced or widowed, or whether you're um, living with your partner or, or married is, is extreme. So just as an example, the separated, divorced or widowed um, people, uh, 40%, 40% of them are forced into retirement by health issues, um, so they've got less financial resi- resilience compared to people who are married, that, um, that only half that proportion are forced into, health, uh, forced into retirement through health. So obviously, the stability of, um, of having a partner helps from that situation. So this is a lot to unpack, right? Only five percent of um, of people who are um, separated or divorced um, retire at their planned date, and um, they are feeling far more out of control than um, the people who are who are married. Is that
0: could um, yeah. have something to do with the uh, you know just having somebody there with them to go through you know feeling feeling like they're a bit more alone going through this? I think so. I, um, um, as I
1: said, I'm, I'm looking forward to um, to really analysing this. This is really fresh data. But um, I've got some, some figures there here about how often people worry. And, um, and divorced people, 47% of them worry rarely. Um, and that figure for married people is, um, is significantly higher. It's, um, it's 65% of people who are married worry rarely. People who are um, divorced and separated, 40% of them um, worry either daily or weekly about money. And um, and people who are married, it's um it's half that only um twenty um, percent of them.
0: How do these stats compare with your figures that you did on the you know, recently around COVID and and people worrying about money over that period of time, that are in the workforce?
1: It's a good it's a good question. So we did do a lot of that um, a lot of that work. Um, the reality is. The initial fears of the, the we've got the K shaped economy happening. Um, we have, um, most people in Australia have fared, it turns out, through COVID very well. They were very worried early on that they wouldn't. They, they were saying they were personally impacted financially, but it turned out they were only personally financially impacted very young for a very short period of time. But we do have those people that are um, are in those industries like the restaurants and and, uh, travel industries that um, have been impacted, their careers have been impacted and and frankly could be years before they're back on on track. And those people are obviously suffering real financial stress. So the unfortunate thing about statistics is um, averages lie. So the average I, I could give you would say that it is very similar but there are some really miserable people out there. Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Very interesting the the K shaped economy that's uh, one way to it's I haven't heard that been spoken about before so that's uh, definitely one way to look at it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So um, you just have to have a look at the um, the GDP figures by sector and you can see there that there have been some sectors that have only mildly been impacted and some have been positively impacted but um, the 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 restaurants and the hospitality and the um, and the travel that's they've
0: been decimated, right? Yep. Mm. yep. So a lot of um, people that are retiring now or uh, haven't had an opportunity, have had a long period of superannuation guarantee throughout their life. Uh, they've obviously had a fair amount of it, but not, um, not the full amount of time um, going through. How's that affecting it? How do you see this all shaping in the future as the superannuation guarantee becomes something that people have had all of their working life?
1: The key, clear message here is that, and uh, this is heresy in... Um, in the superannuation communities I spend time in, um, more super does not necessarily mean um, better outcomes, right? Um, there's a major um, bit at play. It's something I haven't spoken about, and I need need to is the transformative impact of advice um, for retirees. Um, so the um, the retirees, the delta between a retiree who doesn't have an active relationship with a financial planner um, and the, and and the ones that do is um, Chalk and cheese. I'll get. Um, i I'll get you the figures um in in a moment. So what we what we see is that um, advice has this extraordinary um, transformative impact in the lives of, of retirees, and we measured it with the best possible best possible retirement um, index. And what we what we saw is that retirees who don't have a relationship with a financial planner um, have worse retirement well-being than average with a score of 48.8, but people who have an active relationship with a financial advisor score 64, which is just, that delta is is just extraordinary and statistically significant. So the issue is that there's way more than um, money at play here. There's way more than um, super balance at play. So I think that um, super funds um, need to um, get their heads around the fact that there's more to... Uh, a, a good retirement than um, the nine point five or, or, or even fifteen percent contributions. Obviously, the more the better for um, for retirees. Just as long as they don't pay for it today out of um, out of lost income, but um, it's it's not going to have the transformative impact on their lives that advice will have, or owning their own home, frankly.
0: Yeah, can you talk to me about the the, the different bands within the advice transformation impact? You know, you mentioned before that the uh, that the bands of over one million are the, are the happiest and the and the 350 to 550, or they're the next happiest, for whatever it might be. Talk to me about the the, the how financial planning works in those bands, because we're kind of obviously seeing an affordability of financial advice issue um, as we're going down the track. We're sort of knowing that in advice is costing a lot of money. So those with more money are getting advice. With, with your studies, were the people that are on 150 or less getting financial advice?
1: So no is the answer, um, th- but they're um, they're getting some well-being from um, from other structures like um, like the age pension. The, the reality is that unfortunately, um, financial advice is being priced out of the reach of um, of people who need it most, and and people who need it most are these people who um, who do who who are um, approaching retirement hesitantly or are um, feeling out of control as they approach. Um, retirement or forced into retirement more, um, more more, importantly, this disconnect between what it costs advisors um, to provide advice and, and um, willingness to pay for advice, which I put down to anchoring in, in, in um, how much it costs to see other professionals in your life. Um, um, you, can, you can get medical, great medical care for um, a lot less than a financial plan cost simply because a financial planner has to spend so long um, meeting meeting, um, their clients' needs and and substantiating their advice because of the regulatory environment. But I don't want to get too controversial. The fact is um, advice is worth every cent um, if if clients can can just understand the value of advice. and The value of advice is way more than better returns and lower fees in the products you recommend. The well-being aspects of the advice, uh, and um, we know that um, people who seek advice um, have better overall overall well-being. They have better mental um, well-being. They have better physical well-being. They drink less. They sleep more. They've got better relationships. Um, they're less likely to be involved in um, in um, a violent relationship. It's better for families um, um, when people access access advice. The, um, um, the, the challenge is um, reducing the cost to deliver advice and, um, and helping the um, value of advice become more tangible, I think.
0: Yeah, this is really amazing stuff, isn't it? I'm just writing this down as we go. You know, the, the, the mental, physical relationships, families. Oh, oh, and by the way, you'll be financially better off as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this uh, this
1: argument of uh, I can't afford advice, I do I do get that um, starting point because of because we're, we're how people are anchored. But um, um, helping clients understand that advice is worth every cent. But having said that, um, it does matter how much advice costs. So um, so the financial planning industry needs to um, innovate and, um, and and actively work towards making um, reducing cost base uh, um, with efficiency as every other. Um, industry
0: needs to do you mentioned the medical industry before it's it's kind of um, I think everybody's used to having 15-minute consultations and and going get in and out and if not paying very much money you know the it's subsidized by the government the government's you know paying the money or the rest of the taxpayers I should say are paying but you know they do understand the doctor's getting paid but just uh, yeah that's it's very it's very short and sharp isn't it 15-minute intervals I think
1: I think just a personal um, anecdote, just very quickly. I um, had um, um, oral surgery. Um, I had some teeth extracted. Um, my wisdom teeth extracted. I'm the world's oldest person to do that. Um,
0: you finally, got wise. <laughs> so they took your wisdom teeth out. Yeah,
1: yeah. I had um, I had uh, an oral surgeon. I had an anaesthetist. I had theatre nurses. I had nurses afterwards to care for me, and um, it all cost less than. Um, what a financial planner charges, um, and that is because the only paperwork was the invoice. That's what that's what I believe. It's and, and we've done these studies, right? Um, with um, in conjunction with the FBA over years and years of how long it takes to produce a, a statement of advice, and and um, still it takes more than um, between ten and twenty hours to produce a statement of advice, and that's that's what's killing us. I yes,
0: think. but the feeling was the same. Statement of advice still feels like pulling teeth. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. Couldn't resist. Had to throw it, throw that one in there. So, tell me about the study. Like this, uh, you, as you said, you're, you're a couple of years into the study. When, uh, when are you planning on publishing some of these results or getting them out and about?
1: Well, um, with your good self, um, we have started the process, um, which is um, which is really exciting. Yeah, so we um, are partnering with a number of super funds on this um, on this study. So we're going to end up with a great big um, sample, kind of multiples of um of last year's and uh we'll be out of um field work um in mid april actually and uh and then the real um the real work begins because that's when we do the, our statistical analysis and um that's that's where you um draw out your insights and looking forward to sharing the um the findings and uh starting a new conversation a better conversation about
0: retirement and retirement ad- adequacy and um, and uh, everyone needs more super yeah exactly right and uh and so the uh, so that'll come out in the next few months so keep an eye out for all those things um talk to me about the um the age groups that you are in this study those people that are then now in the in the later years of their life so not just that they've just started out in retirement but they're in the in the later years of their life yeah, So we work really hard at that so retirement is an amazing thing like um we the design of
1: this study we're, we're um, we, we decided actually it was a mindset rather than, than an age. So we, we even had strange, um, sounds judgmental probably is, we, have, we had respondents who were 70, 70 years old and have been unemployed for five years. It's, a, it's that issue of, um, of not getting their heads around it and, and um, I'm still in the game and, and uh, I, I'm not actually retired, I'm, I'm unemployed. But um, so, so it was a mindset. The only age cutoffs we had were 45. So we wanted um, mature people who were not um, um, distracted with other areas of life, people who were turning their minds to retirement. Um, so 45-year-olds um, to as old as people could be who consider themselves still working and, um, and, and a group of retirees who consider themselves retired. And a good portion of those were over 75. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you asked us before about um coming up with a name for your index but uh if we had to rename retirement uh you know obviously there's a there's a sysact requirement around the you know when you can and can access things but apart from that uh, a mindset but where are we going with that Does it does it have to be re- called retirement i don't think it does yeah
1: it's a very um in 100 years um retirement will be considered this um this strange period of time kind of like landline phones um, that, that were that were there for a window, you know. A um, hundred years ago, the life expectancy of um, an Australian male was what 58 or something, 56. There was no such thing as retirement, and um, and there's a good chance that there's no such thing as retirement moving forward. Right? People are um, people are still looking to contribute into into very old age. Um, so I think this um, I think this whole idea of retirement could very well be um, have been
0: invented in the 1980s and may maybe dead um pretty soon oh well, let's uh, let's be the instigators of it <laughs> getting rid of the word getting rid yeah. of retirement it's it's funny isn't it how these things come in and they just stick around and because that's the way we, we always used to talk about it but it doesn't actually make sense for the next generation coming through no it doesn't i agree well fantastic so if somebody wants to continue this conversation what's the best way uh sort of for them to get hold of you
1: um link me in on linkedin um follow me on linkedin um i am regularly publishing and um regularly publishing really interesting stuff so um please uh
0: please link me in you are i do i do read it and think gee that's interesting that makes some good a good topic of conversation so we'll probably have you back on i would i would imagine fairly soon
1: good thanks Rose. i loved it
0: thank you jason Well, there you have it, another episode of the XY Advisor Podcast. I'm Fraser Jack, and I'm joined by Emily. Yay! Yay! Yes, you are. Our favourite time of the week. It is. It's time to do a a really cool shout-out to an XY member. Yes, today's shout-out goes to Huria Kadazi. We're calling her Helpful Huria. She is our top contributor for the week, and I know Huria has been doing a lot of work in her FASA exam workshops and her other training courses and programs that she runs and facilitates on XY. She is in there every single day, answering questions, being as responsive as she can, and just really trying to help advisors level up in their faster exam prep, um, but also just general education questions as well. She's such a, she's just a lovely person and she truly, you know, embodies the XY community spirit. So definitely worth a big shout out. You're doing amazing stuff, Hurria. Keep up the good work, legend.